you, uh, you really don't have to tell kids not to talk to strangers. You really don't. Not little kids. At least in my experience, maybe all of them are different. But my kids, I mean, really. I remember Judy, and he's a pretty outgoing kid now. When he was real little, I mean, my sister-in-law could look at him funny, and she, he would cry. I mean, and she, he knows her. He knows her, but he didn't want to talk to people. He didn't want to be around people. And, um, and like I said, I know some kids are a little more friendly, more trusting than other people. Uh, but no matter what the child's makeup and personality is, it's natural to understand that there's safety, there's shelter, there's protection with mom and dad, and they know that. So even the most outgoing kids, they're going to hold on to mama. They're going to hold on to daddy even when somebody a stranger comes along. Of course, <laughs> we grow out of that. By the time we hit teenage years, um, <laughs> it's mama we're not listening to. It's everybody else we want to go run to. We're not paying attention to what mama and daddy have to say anymore. So we quickly grow out of that. And in this discourse in John chapter 10, what Jesus is doing is he's trying to call people back to that childlike innocence. That we quit listening to all these other people, the strangers, the, the people that are out to get us, and start listening to the one who really cares for us. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to remind us of that little kid who's clinging on to mama's leg and doesn't even want to go to a familiar face, much less a stranger. He's wanting us to get back to that a little bit. He's trying to trying to call us back to that. In chapter 10, which is where I'm dropping you into the Gospel of John, it's really, as, as the Gospels are, it's, it's a longer story, so let me just kind of give you a little bit of context here. Uh, Jesus is having a conversation with the Pharisees. You know the Pharisees. These are the religious leaders of that day. They rejected Jesus. They didn't understand who He was. They, or rather, maybe they did understand who He was, and they saw He was going to threaten their power, but nonetheless, they did not accept Him as the Messiah that He was. And in chapter 9, Jesus had just healed a man of blindness. He had healed them. And the Pharisees kind of got mad at Jesus, and they were taking it out on the formerly blind man, and they were kicking him out of, essentially out of the church, out of the synagogue. The reason was, they said basically, that he was blaspheming, that he was, he was uh, rejecting uh, the religious authority. And Jesus is rebuking the religious leaders. He's basically saying, you're abusing God's people. You're telling them things that are not true. You're making them go against God, is essentially what he's teaching in this, in this section. So in chapter 10, he begins, and I just want to read a few verses. We're going to go through a little more of this, but I just want to read the first six verses. He begins, or rather, he, he begins this chapter, and as part of that, that, that rebuke of the Pharisees, he begins this chapter with a parable. Listen to what he says. This is John chapter 10, beginning verse 1. It says, Verily, verily, or, or truly, this is, this is true. I'm saying what I'm saying is true. I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And the stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of the stranger. This parable Jesus spake unto them, that they understood not what things were, things they were which he spake unto them. 
Jesus has given a parable here. It's a, it's a theme that they would have been familiar with. They didn't understand what he's talking about. That's the point of verse 6. But it was a theme they would have been familiar with. The theme would have been one where these shepherds, or rather, rather, let me back up and say that these, these families in these areas might have had sheep as a, maybe a livelihood or uh, they may have, may, may have wanted those sheep for various reasons. But they had other things they had to do, so they might have needed to get somebody to take care of those sheep for them. So they might hire a fella who would take care of the sheep in the area. And this guy, whenever he would take them out into the pastures during the day, but then he'd bring them back into the, the town at night so they would all be safe. And the town would have been this sort of walled-off section of, of, of area, and there would be a door into that. And there would be somebody that, at that door, the porter, who would be protecting, so just not any time Dick and Harry could get in there. So this shepherd would bring those sheep back, and he would knock on the door, and the porter would say, oh, that's, that's old Jim. He's down. He can come on in. He's a good guy. Let's let him in. Bring the sheep in, Jim. So we're ready to go. That's what would go on. But there would be some people, you know, y'all remember the old western, you got the cattle wrestlers, you know, and all that kind of stuff. These guys that want to steal a sheep. They would come in. They couldn't come into the front door because the, the porter would know. Oh, we don't know you. You stay away. So how are they going to get a sheep? Well, they're going to go over the wall. They're going to try to get a sheep over the wall. And so that's how, if somebody's coming over the wall, good, good, good indication this guy's up to no good. If he's climbing the wall to get into this area, he's probably up to no good. Y'all with me so far? All right. They would have been familiar with that. But they're sitting there scratching their heads saying, yeah, Jesus, we know what you're talking about. We, we get that. That happens. This is life that we live. But what are you talking about? What are you talking about? So now in verse 7, he gets really clear, probably as clear as Jesus is in the Gospel of John. Because a lot of what Jesus does, if you read the Gospel, really any of the Gospels, Jesus sometimes he talks in this way when he's talking to especially the Pharisees. But he does it on purpose, by the way. He wants to leave them a little confused because... They ain't going to accept him no matter what he says. But here in this passage, he gets about as clear as he gets in anywhere in John. And he explains the parable. And what he's doing in here, I want, to, I want you to see this before I get any further. He's going to help us see who's out to hurt us and who is worth listening to. That's what he's about to show us here. So, he says in verse 7, look at what he says. So he's explaining this parable from verses 1 to 6. He's explaining this. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, This is true what I'm about to tell you. I am the door of the sheep. I am the door, he said. I'm the way in. Those sheep can't be sheep if they don't come through me. They can't get in for the protection if they don't come in through me. They can't get what I have to offer if I'm not leading them. So in other words, kind of go back to that illustration that he gives, the parable Jesus gives. Remember I told you the shepherd's name is Jim because that's an old Hebrew name. Uh, so some of y'all are going to get one of my jokes one of these days. Let me just tell you, I want to get Keith up here. He tells some good ones. That's all right, Keith. <laughs> but anyway, Jim, Jim's a, you know, we know Jim. And if Jim has got the sheep and he knocks on the door, how can the sheep get in? Well, they just fall in behind Jim. You see that? But if Jim's not there, they ain't getting in. So Jesus is saying, I'm the way, I'm the way in. He says, I'm the door of the sheep. Verse 8, all that ever came before me, in other words, if they came another way, they are thieves and robbers. They're the dudes jumping over the wall to come get the sheep. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door, Jesus says. 
for by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. He's saying, outside of me, Jesus, there is no other way in. There's no way of salvation. You can't get saved. Let me just go ahead and be real plain, plain to y'all. You want to go to heaven when you die? If Jesus is not part of the equation at all, you might as well hang it up. You're not going to heaven. Furthermore, let me go one step further on that. If Jesus is not all that you're counting on, you might as well hang it up. You can come up here and I'll shake your hand. I'll hug your neck. We'll cry together. We'll pray together. We'll do all the things. But if Jesus is not the reason you're going, you ain't going. You need to understand He's the only way in. It's the only way to get into His flock. You can't be part of Jesus' flock. You can't be one of His little ones, as He talks about in Matthew 18. You can't be part of Him. You're not in Him unless you go through Him. Anybody that goes away that's not through Jesus is a fraud. He calls them thieves and robbers. They're trying to do something. They're trying to take on the cloak of Jesus. They want the smell of Jesus. They want the, the aroma, the aura of Jesus. But they don't want Jesus. They want something else. And he says, you can't get in. He also says that that's the only way to get his protection. I can't imagine there's a person in this room that doesn't want the power of Jesus on your side. You want the protection of Jesus. You want, you want it, the protection for everything from when you're riding down to the beach for vacation. You want His protection when you're doing your job, if it's a dangerous job particularly. You want His protection whenever you're encountering somebody on the street. You want His protection in all those ways. I can't imagine we don't. But the Bible tells us here we can't have His protection apart from Him. He is the door. He's the entryway that protection. The one image that he sort of gets at in this second part of this when he's explaining the parable, I told you that you know, when they come home at night, they sleep or in the enclosed area in the kind of the courtyard of the town. But when they're out in the field, another image that Jesus uses sometimes, that there's kind of a little makeshift little uh, area, protected area. But in that area, the shepherd would sit in the front of that the entry. He'd be the entry point. And the reason for that is if a wolf wants to come and get one of them sheep, he's got to go through the shepherd. He's got to go through the shepherd. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's providing us with protection. So the wolves, if they want to come after us, and they do, the devil wants to come after us like nobody's business, they've got to go through Jesus first. And of course, I'm not worried that Jesus can take care of them. You know, you know he can take care of them. He's got that. He also says there, and he says there that in verse 9, he says, if you enter into him, you're going to be saved. And you'll go in and out and find pasture. There is actually prosperity that's available in Jesus. Now, don't, don't get me twisted here. I'm not saying He's going to give you a lot of money in your bank account. That's not what I'm saying. It's not what He's saying. But He is saying He's going to give you what you need. He's going to give you exactly what you need. He talks about these sheep. They need to go out and find pasture. They need water. They need grass. They need, they need things to, for nutrients. And they need exercise. They need those things. That's what they need. And that shepherd is going to provide that to them. And I want you to know that in Jesus, you're going to get exactly what you need. He's going to give you the prosperity. And I'm talking about real prosperity. I'm not talking about financial or material prosperity. I'm talking about real prosperity. The kind of prosperity, like Jesus says, I've come to give life and life more abundantly. That's what we're going to have. We're going to have a life that is worth living. A life that is useful. A life that means something. A life that matters not just now, but in eternity. He's going to give that to us. But the only way to get that is through 
Jesus. You have to go into Jesus. I'm real bad. I was just talking to, I think, Jonathan, we, I was talking about this, and I was telling him I'm real bad in sort of in a metaphorical sense in life to try to push open every door I possibly can because I get anxious about the next thing. I want to do the next thing. I want to do the next thing. So I'm like pushing this open. Like, maybe this is it. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is it. Some of y'all like that. One or two of y'all. Okay. I'm real bad. I just want the next thing. I want the next thing. And I can't even enjoy what I'm doing because I'm ready for the next thing. And I think sometimes we get in that mode, not just in our career choices and things like that, but we're going to see as Christians and as followers of Jesus, we're going to see a bunch of other doors that look like opportunities to us. It's going to have nice shiny stuff on it. It might even have our name written on it. It might be encrusted in gold. I mean, we don't know what, it's just going to be amazing to look like other opportunities. But Jesus says in verse 10 that those opportunities are, are coming from a thief. He says, the thief cometh not but for to kill the steel and to kill and to destroy. He says, there's going to be some other ways that look like ways that could be helpful, could be interesting, could be kind of appealing in their own way, but they're coming in to steal. Jesus is taking you out to pasture so you can enjoy life. These other opportunities are taking from you. These other ways are coming to destroy you. Remember, Jesus is going to give life and life more abundantly. But these people, these opportunities, these, these other voices that are speaking to us, they do nothing but destroy. They take what is good and make it useless. Jesus is giving us life. Abundant life, but life nonetheless. And they come to kill Jesus is the door, and if we'll enter into the door, the one true door, and not chase these other opportunities, we will have his, we'll be part of his flock, we'll have his protection, and we will get his prosperity. But Jesus also says, not only is he the door, but he's also the good shepherd. You see this in verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. You with the shepherd, not just a shepherd, but the good shepherd, specifically the good shepherd. You know what the good shepherd does? He sacrifices for his sheep. He gives his life for the flock, if that's what it takes. And you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't come to take anything from the flock. You think about that. <laughs> One thing I'm fed up with in this world, and that's just, I'm just telling you, I'm just to be as transparent as I'm frustrated as I know how. It seems like everybody's out to get something from you. I'm so tired of it. I just wish he'd stop. But you know who never wants anything from you? Jesus Christ is not asking a thing from you. He's done nothing but give, 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 give. He doesn't take anything from the flock. Then he introduces here in verse 12 this other person called a hireling. He says, he that is an hireling. Now, I want to make sure you understand this. I've always been taught most of the preaching that I've heard you hear about talking about pastors. You don't want a pastor who's a hireling. And I understand what we're saying there because of this verse here. But the hireling is not necessarily a bad guy. He's just a dude that's been hired to do a job. I mean, I imagine some of y'all have been hired to do a job before. That doesn't make you a bad person. I hope it doesn't make me a bad person because I've been paid to do work before. That's all this guy is. He's just somebody who's been paid to do work. So he says there that he that is a hireling not the shepherd. So this guy has been hired. And this, by the way, was also a common thing. So maybe you had Jim, who's always the guy that everybody knew and all the flock knew, that they would all let him lead their sheep around. But he has to go on vacation. 
So what are you going to do? Let your sheep just run around? No, you need to keep your sheep taken care of. So you'll get somebody and hire him for a season. Hey, could you take care of the sheep? And he'll do what he's paid to do. He'll do the job. They don't know the, the sheep don't know him, and he don't know the sheep the best as, as they could, but it's temporary. It's necessary. But he says here, this hireling, he's not the shepherd, whose own sheep, whose own the sheep are not. So he doesn't own these sheep. When he sees the wolf coming, he leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catches him and scatters the sheep. See, because in verse 13, the hiring fleeth because he is not, he is an hireling and cares not for the sheep. So these hirelings, these people have been paid to do the job, what do they care about? At the end of the day, really, what do they care about? Getting paid. Getting paid. That's what they, that's what they care about. And he says you've got to be careful because in that case, they're out for themselves. They're out to protect themselves. Again, by the way, just to come back to what I said before, that's why there's often an application to pastors. You've got to be careful if you look as you all are looking for a pastor. Don't don't bring somebody in here that's enamored by the by the pay or the status because he needs to care about the flock. He needs to care about the people. He's not the good shepherd. Jesus is always the shepherd, you understand that. He is in sense a hireling in a sense that he needs to not be this kind of hireling that cares about the money or whatever. He needs to care about the flock. So it's a little side note. I'm going to come back to the main message. Just want you to know that. But you've got these hirelings that are out for themselves. But the shepherd, what does he do? He's not out for himself. He's out for the sheep. He's looking out for them. He's willing to sacrifice them. And in fact, in verse 14, he says, I'm the good shepherd and know my sheep. He knows them. He understands them. He loves them. He, 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 he has intimate knowledge with them. He understands exactly which one. In fact, there's evidence, there's some evidence that these ancient shepherds would lit the ones that really knew that really had those flocks and they, they really understood them, they actually would have names for each one of them. And they knew that one's Dolly and that one's Susie and that one's, you know, whatever the different names are. He would say, That's their names and he would know them and he would almost like you might a pet today, call them by the name. And they would follow him and they would hear his voice. That's how they would know him. And that's what a savior, that's what our Savior Jesus does, is he actually genuinely loves us. Y'all know when somebody actually loves you? I mean, like, really loves you. I'm not talking about, like, a boyfriend, girl. I'm talking about, like, a, another person who actually cares about you. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that enamored love. I'm talking about, like, real people, like, just regular life that you run into, and you can just kind of tell they, they, they actually care for you. There's at least three of you that I'm seeing some head nods. At least three of you that experience that. That's awesome. The rest of you, one of these days, you'll find somebody that loves you. Okay? But you three, you understand what I've got, I've got, I've got about this. But you, when you run across somebody that genuinely loves you, and you, you can tell that there's, there's some real concern for you, they're not about what they can get from you. You understand that feeling. I want you to know that's Jesus all day and every day. That's who he is. He really loves you. He knows you. He actively is caring for you. That's why Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, 7, he says, casting all of your cares upon him, for he cares for you. He's actually involved in your life. He's, he's actively working in your situation. That word of cares for you in 1 Peter 5, 7, it's not just that he has nice, warm feelings about you. He does have nice, warm feelings about you. But that's not what that's about. It's actually that he is like you take care of a garden. You actually get your hands in there and make sure the weeds get out. You get in there and get the dead leaves off. You know, you're actually caring for it. That's what Jesus does for you. He takes care of you. That's what he does. He is the good shepherd. He even says in verse uh, 16, when we go down to verse 16, he says, And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, 
them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and they shall be one fold and one shepherd. I, I love this. And you all may not see this on the surface, but I want you to hear this. That's what he says here. Jesus is not showing favorites. Now, in this context, if he's talking to, he's talking to primarily Jewish people. And when he was talking about the good shepherd and the sheep, their mind's like, of course we're sheep, we're Jews. We're sheep, we're your sheep. Of course. And Jesus is saying, hang on a minute, I like y'all. I came to die for you. But there's a whole lot of people that don't look like you, have the same background as you, don't, don't talk like you. I love them too. I want you to understand this, that yes, he's talking about primarily in this view, he's talking about Jews and Gentiles. But I want you to understand that the good shepherd, he lays down his life and he cares across every boundary that we've ever imagined in this world. No matter how much money and how little money you've got, no matter what color your skin is, no matter what kind of background you come from, no matter what you've done in the past, no matter how good you've been in the past, Jesus laid down his life for you. Jesus cares for you. Jesus is involved in your life. He's saying here, it's not just about people that fit some mold that I have in my mind or you have in your mind. He says, I've done this for a whole bunch of people. I've got people you don't even know about. I think it's going to shock the pants off of some of us, some of the people we're going to meet in heaven. We're going to think, you got in here? And they're going to say, you got in here too? I'm telling you, Jesus, His grace is Scandalous, the stuff that he's done to get us, to save us, the depths that he went to get some of us out of the pits of hell. He is willing to do that. He cares for us. So, he says that I am the door and I am the good shepherd. And the message that I want you to leave from that is that Jesus is the only way in. And Jesus is willing to do whatever it takes to protect you, to save you. He laid his life down for you. We need to listen to him. He's the only voice that's worth listening to. Go back to verse 1. I want you to see this. He talks about in verse 1 that he says there that he that enters not into the door of the sheepfold but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. In verse 8, he talks about a thief and a robber as well. We've got to first of all be careful to be aware of those people who want to do us harm. There are thieves, people who will take from you and they do it sneaky. It's by stealth. You don't know it's gone till it's gone. <laughs> That's what a thief does. But there's also robbers. They take by violence. You know it's gone because they hit you over the head while they were taking it. Or they put a gun to your face while they were taking it. That's the difference between a thief and a robber in, in, the, in, the, in the Greek here. There's one that's taken it by stealth and one that's taken it by force or by violence. But the bottom line is, it doesn't matter how they get it, they get it. They took it from you. They took it from you. That's what these people are trying to do. So as an individual, you personally, every person I'm speaking to, everybody that can hear me, please listen for you, for your family, for Ellisboro Baptist Church. Please listen. Beware of politicians. They only want your vote. Beware, men and women, of pornography. It only wants your purity. It only wants your, it only wants your mind. It wants to pervert you. Beware of social media of all shapes, sizes, and colors. It wants your attention. It wants your dignity. It wants your focus. 
And by the way, those are just three things that came to mind automatically. You can come up with a bunch of others, I'm imagining, that there are things that want to take from you. These are voices we need to be careful of. In fact, avoid if we can. We also need to be aware of those who have a message that is foreign to the gospel. Look in verse 5. He talks about that this, this shepherd who comes to the door, the porter lets him in, verse 3, but the stranger, they, the sheep, will not follow, but they will flee from him because they don't know the voice of the stranger. A stranger is somebody who doesn't belong, somebody who's from somewhere else, someone who's not familiar to us, someone who doesn't sound like, look like, match what we're supposed to follow. Bottom line is, I don't care if they're standing in this pulpit or you're sitting across from them at a dinner table or you're talking to them in the hallway at work. If what they say does not match up to the voice of the master, where are you going to hear that? I've got a book here called The Bible. If it's not matching to this, it's wrong. He may have a title called Pastor. We may have degrees, as uh, uh, Leonard Ravenhill said, more degrees than a thermometer. It doesn't matter what he's got going on. If it doesn't match with this, he's not a follower of the Master. He is a stranger. And we tell our kids, don't listen to strangers, don't follow strangers, don't talk to strangers. We tell them that, rightly so. Come on, people. Come on, Christians. Y'all stop listening to strangers. Listen to the Master. Compare what is being said to the audio imprint of the Master. It's right here. It is in black and white. And you may say, well, I don't know if it's right or not. Get in the Word. You read it. You understand it. You should be able to discern. You have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in you. And I will tell you, if you will listen to Him, you will talk to Him, you will read His Word, and when those false voices come, you will be able to discern them. I'm not going to say you're going to be perfect because we're all human beings. We all get stuff wrong. But more often than not, we're going to filter it out. We're going to be able to say, nope, that's wrong. It's amazing to me how many people who are good people, good Christian people, who have no problem turning on a television and watching like a Joel Osteen or some of these other characters on television who, I mean, they're slick, they're good looking, I get all that, but when you compare what they say to this word, they're wrong. They're strangers. They are not the people of God. And we listen to them like they are godlike or something, and we, because we're not comparing what they say to the master's voice. We have to be careful of that. And by the way, it's not just preachers. It's lies of all kinds, from everybody. I'll tell you, I'll add to the list, racism gets into this mix. You put racism and you compare it to the Scripture, you cannot prove to me. In fact, I will tell you, you are lying to me if you think you can back up your racist attitudes from the Scripture. You're not comparing God's voice to that attitude. That same thing goes with gossip and worry and all the stresses that we, that we take on in our lives, all of these things, these are contrary, antithetical to the Scripture that is available to us because we're not listening to God's voice to listen to the stranger's voice. We also have to be careful of friends who follow the wrong voice. I already spent a lot of time on this. I won't take a lot of time to tell you about this hireling in verses 12 and 13. But that hireling, he's simply hired to perform, to perform a job. He's not bad. He's not a bad guy. In fact, it's probable that he's somebody that the neighbors know. He's probably somebody they trust. 
but the sheep just don't know him. And he doesn't have the same connection to the sheep. He's not a bad guy. He's a friend. He's on their side. So we have to be careful that our loyalty is not to them. This is, again, I just recognize where this church is. We're looking for a pastor here, and we want to bring in a pastor into this church, and we want that. And I think that's a right and a godly desire to have, and I'm praying for that end. But we have to be careful that you don't get a pastor in here, and he's a good man doing the work of God, but then we get more loyal to that man than we are to the master. Because that man can say and do things, by the way, this man, I appreciate your love and appreciation for me, but this man can get it wrong. Your love should not be for me primarily, it should be for the master. Your, uh, your loyalty should not be to me, but to the master. We have to be cautious of that. We have to be loyal to the good shepherd, not to the hireling. Because I can tell you, the hireling, again, he may be a good man, he may have good intentions, but he's going to get it wrong, and he's going to lead you astray with your loyalty to the king. Your loyalty has to be to the Savior, first of all. Because Jesus is the door. Because Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the only voice that we need. We need to listen to his voice and obey his voice. He's the only master we need to serve. We can follow his leaders and put people in place. Good teachers, good mentors, good pastors, good, good, good friends. He puts people in our paths, and that's a good thing. And we should be helped by those people. But unless those people are helping us follow the master, they're not helping us. They're not helping us at all. He's the only one that we need to follow after. Because it's not about the flock. Y'all do know that. I love Ellisburg Baptist Church. Over the last year and year and a quarter, I have come to fall in love with this church as an institution, but as a family, as individual people. I have really come to love y'all. But you understand, there are things I'm talking about. It's not about this flock. Because Jesus has a bunch of flock. Y'all are one of one of millions. It's amazing to think about. He's got flocks that go back thousands of years. And I'm not trying to make you insignificant. I'm trying to get you to see it's not about your flock. It's not about the association you have because you're part of the Dan Valley Association or part of the Southern Baptist Convention. That's not all Jesus' flock. You're going to have some people in heaven that they're going to have some weird stuff on their side. You're going to say, what in the world are y'all doing up here? I thought y'all were, y'all were heretics from way back. Well, nope. They followed after Master. They got some stuff wrong. By the way, y'all got some stuff wrong. We all got some stuff wrong. I'm not trying to excuse it. I'm just trying to say we need to understand it's not about our way. It's about the way. The truth. The life. His name is Jesus. That's what we need to be after. I'm closing. I promise. I just need to say a few things to close. I grew up as a missionary kid raised in an independent, fundamental Baptist culture. That may mean nothing to some of y'all, may mean a lot to some of y'all, I don't know what it means. This means we are fit in real good with those Pharisees that Jesus is talking to in the Bible. And I have seen my growing up in church, I mean, I, I grew up, my, my mom is proud of this fact, and I'm not, I'm not upset about it myself. She gave birth to me, and the first Sunday after I was born, I was in church. Didn't do me any good, by the way. Little babies can't hear a thing. Don't pay attention to that. But anyway, I was there. 
just like being in a garage makes you a car. Um, doesn't change the temperature. Anyway, beside the point. But I, all I'm simply saying is because I've, been, I've grown up in this stuff. And I've seen hypocrisy. I have seen disappointment. I have seen tomfoolery done in the name of Jesus. And I've been affected by a lot of it myself. I alluded to some of that in my opening remarks to you, simply saying that I kind of have lost my faith a little bit in the church as an organization and as people. And certainly there are sins that's at the heart of it. Ignorance as well is at play. We all have ignorance. But I do think there's something else that's going on here. This is what I want to get you across as well as, as I make my appeal to you to give you an invitation. The stuff that we deal with within the church it's bigger than economic fortune, political power, world powers, geopolitical for It's bigger than anything. Even though I look out at y'all and y'all look like regular people, and I mean that as the biggest of compliments. I don't mean anything bad by that. I mean y'all just look like regular people. Good, normal, middle-class America. Woohoo. Looks good. And because we look like normal people, we forget the fact that what we're dealing with here, what is at stake here, is eternity. I, I know, y'all got tomorrow, you got to work, and this afternoon you've got to go to go eat lunch and go to the grocery store. You've got all these, what I'll call normal everyday things, and I get that, we all have them, I understand that. And because of that, we forget that there's heaven and hell in the balance. Sometimes we forget that and we get a little careless about stuff. And we forget we're supposed to listen to certain things and not listen to other things. We, we forget that, 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 that we're supposed to see, allow certain people to influence and not other people to influence. And, and that's true for Ellisboro Baptist Church members as you select your next pastor. Don't forget, it's not just about a man that you like or don't like. It's about... This is the church of Jesus Christ who died for this church. We need to act like it's important. That's true of some of you that are seated here today and have never put your faith in Jesus. You think by simply sitting on a church pew, you have checked the box, you're doing the good thing, and you can go on to the rest of your life, and you're a good person because you came today. And while we're grateful and glad to have you in our midst, and we will fellowship with you just like we would do anybody else, I want you to understand that there's more at stake here than simply hearing an entertaining message or some good music and all of those own way. That's not the point. Don't get confused. For some of you that are parents in this room and you want the best for your children and you forget that what's best for your children may or may not be that ball team that they're on. It may or may not be the school that you have them in. It may or may not be the kinds of clothes or the house that you put them in. But it will absolutely be whether or not they know Jesus, the true shepherd. And you better make sure that's the, list, that's the thing you're listening to. Not your kids. Don't listen to your kids. By the way, don't listen to your kids. Listen to, listen to the Master. All your friends and, your, and those people that live in those houses next to you, that's not the voices you need to hear. You need to hear Jesus' voice. 
some of you young people that are like this dear lady here just turned 20, people like her that are deciding what those next stages of life are going to be, what, what are you going to study in college, what's that first job going to look like, what is that, those relationships, all those things, those big decisions, instead of listening to all the voices that you can listen to, because there's a bunch of them out there that want to tell you what to do, there's one voice you need to listen to. And it matters because His voice is going to matter not about how much money you're going to have at 65, but about where your eternal destiny is going to be. Are you going to actually have a home in heaven? And too many of us are giving the thieves and robbers who want to take from us a sympathetic ear. We are working so hard because we're worried about what other people think about us. And we're listening to the world's advice when we have a Savior who died for us, when we have a Savior who's protecting us, when we have a Savior who will give every, has given every thing to us. But these false messiahs are out here peddling garbage, spewing lies, sending us directly to hell if they got their way about it. My invitation is this. Many words that I've used to get up to this point, it's simple. If you hear the voice of Jesus today, He's the only one that's ever died for you. He's the only one who's ever rose in victory over your death, over the hell you deserve, over the grave that you are destined for. He is the only person who will never, ever, ever, ever leave you or forsake you. He is the only person who can give you eternal life. Your hope is in Him. Your future is in Him. Please stand. We'll close with a start. We'll close with a song here. Uh, the is going to come and play for us. I'm going to pray, and I'm asking you to listen to the voice of Jesus. Some of you have never put your faith in Jesus. He's calling you today. Won't you come and I'll talk to you. I'm going to stand right down here. I'll talk to you. I'll pray with you. I'll show you from the Bible what it means to follow Jesus. Won't you do that? There's some Christians that are here today. You're honest about it. You've been listening to all kinds of voices. And you need to tell the Lord you're sorry. Say, God, I'm stopping. I'm going to listen to you when you're alone. And there's some Christians here that are part of this church, that this church means a lot to you, and I'm glad it does. You need to come, and you need to get on the altar, and you need to pray to the Lord. Lord, help me to listen to your voice as we decide the future of this church. Won't you come? Lord, please help us to hear your voice. Help us to Turn away the voice of the stranger. Help us to ignore those thieves and robbers. Help us to, to not put a hireling up on a stage and a pedestal, but instead to put the master in his rightful place in our lives. To hear him and hear him alone. I pray this in Jesus' name.